Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the RAA podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Franklin Parker. Um, Franklin Parker is the author of Goals-Based Portfolio Theory. He is the award-winning author of dozens of peer-reviewed articles and trade publications. He's a CFA charter holder, international speaker, founder of a Texas-based RAA, which we'll hear about, and a strategic advisor to journals, funds, and families, and of course, author of Goals-Based Portfolio Theory. Uh, Franklin, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, good to be here. Let's go back in time a little bit. How'd you get into our business in the first place? Uh, sort of by accident, honestly. I grew up uh, in Central Texas on a working cattle ranch. Uh, it's not a stoplight in the whole county I grew up in, tiny place. Uh, left there, went to music school, got a music degree, which was not particularly vocational. I don't recommend it. <laughs> but uh, got to the end of my degree and realized that was just not how I wanted to live my life. Uh, so I pivoted into finance. I got in the business through an internship. Cut my teeth in retail wealth management, and uh, yeah, the, the rest is history. So that's more or less how I got into the space. Awesome. I'm sure the longer version of that is probably in one of your books somewhere. It so is, yeah. let's unpack that just a little bit before we dive in. Music, you went and got a degree in music. Explain the pivot, where how the pivot happened from music to finance. Yeah. Um, so this was in, I graduated in 2006. So this would have been in 2007. And um, I had some friends who kind of gone on to work in finance and uh, there was an internship being offered kind of near me. It was a paid internship, which was exciting. And so that's more or less what I did. I thought, well, I'll give this a go. And this was in 2007. I thought, this is great. Easiest job in the world. Everything goes up. No one ever complains. <laughs> no problem. And then 2008 hit. Uh, and I thought, what am I doing? I got to go back to music. This is a dumb job. Why would anybody want to do this? But, uh, you know, I was a millennial with a music degree and nobody was hiring anybody in 2008, 9, and 10. So managed to just sort of stick it out. And it was honestly a very formative experience for me, as, as you could well imagine. I, as I mentioned, I don't have a finance degree. So uh, I did miss those days in class. And I kept thinking, I, you know, why, why do we say all of the things we say? Why do we say diversify and hold forever? Why do we say, don't worry, it'll come back? Why do we say these things? Is that even relevant advice anymore? And that really set me on an intellectual quest uh, that uh, that I think was very important to my both my career and also to my just thinking about markets and how I approach the whole problem. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about you went from a paid internship to getting into the business. Tell us about um, where you initially started your foray into finance after the internship was over. Yeah, so I started at Edward Jones, uh, just retail kind of local mom and pop shop uh, for wealth management, which was a great place to start. Honestly, training was great. They have a good brand, a good reputation in the business. Uh, so it was it was the perfect place for me to to get my go. And then I pivoted out of that in, and through kind of building my resume in alternative ways, right, through this intellectual quest. And I was publishing more, uh, throwing some peer-reviewed papers out there. Uh, I managed to structure a joint venture with kind of a regional accounting firm. They also had an investment bank and and a wealth management arm. So I, I got contracted to come in and run the wealth management arm. And through that, they did a lot of work for family offices uh, around town. And that was that was how I got plugged into family office space. Uh, I was hired out of there to be the chief investment officer for a, a client of theirs for for a, a Texas 
I'm an old Texas oil and gas family there in Dallas. And I was their chief investment officer for six years, almost. It was a great experience. Absolutely loved it. And then a couple of years ago, about two and a half years ago, I left and started uh, started my own RAA, um, hung out my own shingle. Uh, I wanted. I, I think I'm a builder at heart, and and I really wanted to get out there and build something meaningful. And I feel like I very clearly see where this business is headed over the next 10 to 15 years. And this might be my only chance to get ahead of that. So that was part of the rationale too. That makes a lot of sense. And congratulations on taking the leap. Obviously, it's worked out pretty well. So talk a little bit about directional advisors and, uh, you know, what makes you different? Yeah. So the vision here is really twofold. Um, The first one is the client-facing vision. So I think the trend in this business is towards hyper-customized, hyper-individualized solutions. Essentially what I was doing in the family office, but doing it for the mass affluent. And um, the answer to that is technology because... You know, I, you know how the business works. We all build these model portfolios. We do all this great financial planning. But at the end of the day, you're going into one of these eight or nine boxes. Um, and what I'd like to be able to do is sit down with Seth and say, okay, here's your tax situation. Here's all the legacy positions you've transferred in. Here's your ethical constraints. That's something different for everybody. Here's your financial goal for this account, for this account, for this account, and all the things that kind of make you unique in you. Um, and then to be able to build a fully custom solution that is entirely tailored to what you need on a day-to-day basis. That also marries with, you know, what, what I believe about the world, uh, what I believe about markets. And the only way you can do that is through the leverage of technology. So, so working to build out the technology and, uh, and then also working to kind of deliver those kinds of solutions to clients. On the advisor side, uh, the vision is to really be, be a place that I would want to be as an advisor. So um, one of the big things I'm working to solve is, is most advisors' number one problem, which is marketing. So I'd like to be a home where, you know, you, you could come and then you get not just a payout and not just a check and not just this cool thing we're doing for clients, but also like, let me just give you clients until you tell me to stop, right? Um, I mean, marketing in this business is still stuck in 1984, I feel like. And the way Morgan Stanley grows is they not to pick on Morgan Stanley, it's just, it's just the business. But uh, the, way, the way Morgan Stanley grows is they hire, you know, 10 folks, nine of them fail, and they've grown. Uh, I would really like to be a place where we're adding value to an advisor's book. And a big piece of that is marketing. A big piece of that is delivering a better message to clients. A big piece of that is culture, right? A culture of ideas and dynamism, as opposed to you feel like you're just part of a kind of a corporate cog. So, Anyway, that's really the two-part vision of what I'm doing here and um, pretty excited about where, where we're going. Absolutely. It sounds exciting. What inspired you to write the book? Well, it was all of these ideas kind of coalescing. Uh, remember that intellectual quest coming out of 2008? You know, a, a fundamental question I had coming out of, of 2008 was how much can you lose in an investment portfolio before you've lost too much? Because I had seen it with my own eyes and I didn't have all of the background in finance to know that, oh, there's, you, it just comes back. Don't worry. <laughs> but what I learned the hard way is that if you're 68 and you're living off of your portfolio, it doesn't come back for you. So, you know, the market didn't recover its 2007 high until 2013. If you were making 4% withdrawals from that portfolio, you didn't get a raise until 2017, right? You did lose a decade in income. And for a lot of people, that's just not sustainable. So, I kind of I went back and started reading all the original academic papers in finance and eventually found that uh, there's this line of research called goals-based investing. And it's really only been around in the academic sphere for about 20 years. And the first papers were on tax-aware investing, and then it evolved into other things. Um, I'll, I, will, I will give you a whole lecture on it. But um, 
But anyway, they didn't even have an answer to this question. So that was my first peer-reviewed paper was, was, okay, you're at A, you need to be at B, you have a set amount of time to get there. If I have some inkling about how markets recover after a downturn, then it's really just a mathematical problem to solve for um, how much you can lose before you can't recover in time. And then after that, I was hooked. I was like, I found my people. These are the people who are applying financial goal of financial markets to people with real goals to achieve. And, um, and so I've, I've done a lot of publishing in that space. And no one had yet really written this book on, on goals-based portfolio theory. Uh, the, the math of the problem actually changes when you have a limited time horizon and minimum wealth requirements. Those are not native to traditional portfolio theory. And so as soon as you start doing that and changing the math, there's a lot of really interesting things that cascade out of that. And I wanted to explore those. So that's what the book is really about. Awesome. And then who is an ideal client for directional advisors on the retail side? And who's an ideal advisor to be part of your organization? Yeah. So the ideal advisor, I mean, there isn't really a box yet, right? We're still young. Uh, we're still kind of trying to find the right person uh, and the right people. It's, it's firstly about culture on the advisor side. Uh, it's about someone who has kind of a dynamic thought and is excited about what the future brings for this business. But, you know, the advisor who's probably three to six years out, uh, who knows what they're doing, is probably not getting the level of support they need from their existing firm. Those, those are probably the folks that, that would be a good fit for us. Uh, I think we can add a lot of value in, in both directions with folks like that. And then on the client side, you know, we're really targeting what I call the mass affluent. So, so we're talking 500,000 to, to 8, 10 million-ish. Uh, of course, I still have a foot in the family office space. I do a lot of consulting work there. And so, uh, certainly capable of handling much larger clients, but uh, but I think for the most part, that's that's what we're targeting. And then, I mean, you're talking about for most advisors and RAs, marketing is the holy grail, right? If they just had a system that was putting them in front of more of the right people on a regular basis without necessarily them having to run all over town and do seminars or whatever it is they don't want to do, um, that would be the holy grail to them. How are you getting them? How are you getting your advisors in front of the right people? Yeah. So, I mean, there, there are plenty of firms that will help you with that. It's really just, there's two wheels you can turn in this business to generate leads, right? You can spend time and go network and call and do all the things that we all know to do and get referrals. And that takes time. Uh, or you can spend money. And if you spend money, you're, you're going to be paying a marketing firm of some kind to, to go out and do the marketing on your behalf. But you know, we kind of live in a golden age of that in a lot of ways. Uh, now, I'm not a marketing expert. It's not my background. So I'm happy to pay an external firm to know what they're doing. But, but at the end of the day, if I can spend, you know, three, $4,000 and reliably get a client, then that's a pretty good return on my investment, I feel like. Um, after that, it's just a matter of getting, getting somebody there to catch them. And, and that's, that's the stage we're at. What, your, your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? Huh, the idea side of this business has kept me here for sure. I mean, I'm a musician by heart. I'm kind of an artist. But at the end of the day, the whole concept that we live and die by the power of ideas and that you really can't lie about it. I mean, there's nowhere to hide. Your statement value is going up or it's going down, right? You're, you're make, you're, your business is working or it's not. Um, you can kind of talk around a lot of things, but you can't talk around that. And uh, the fact that better ideas tend to produce better outcomes and worse ideas tend to produce worse outcomes is as I just love that. That's what's kept me here for sure. 
All right. Well, congratulations on the success you've achieved. You've done an amazing job. And obviously you're you're carving your footprint and making your change in your corner of the industry. Um, as that spreads, we'd love to have you back another time to talk more about that. For our folks watching and listening who want to learn more about all things Franklin and directional and the book, where are the best places for them to go? So I'm not hard to find. Um, if you just Google search my name, I'm, I come up pretty easily. But uh, directional-advisors.com is our website. You can find me on Twitter. Um, you know, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'll, I'll accept most requests there. So yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to to get in touch. All right. This has been Seth Green with Franklin Parker from Directional Advisors. Uh, the book is Goals-Based Portfolio Theory. Franklin, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com.